<laughs> Welcome to Paranormal Hearts Halloween Edition. Come, come listen, if you dare. <laughs> Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart. You can find me on the second and last Sunday of each month on Podbean and YouTube. You can also find me on sparkradionet.org, newlanternmedia.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and any place you find fine podcasts. Please show your support for the show and like, share, subscribe, and follow on whatever platform you're listening on. If you'd like to be a guest and chat about your paranormal experiences, please drop me an email at paranormalheart.com. 13 at gmail.com. This episode goes out to you wonderful listeners in Japan. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you all and much love to you. Well, folks, it's finally here. My favorite time of year, Halloween. I'm seeing more and more decorations being put up all over town. Black cats, spider webs, tombstones all over people's yards, and of course, the traditional jack-o'-lanterns. I have to say, though, this may be the only sign of Halloween here this year. More and more communities are opting out of the tradition of trick-or-treating due to COVID. I haven't heard yet what my community plans on as of yet. I recently heard of this family who plans on going above and beyond for this spooky season, though. Someone has developed a chute that children simply put their bags under and the homeowner drops the tasty treats for the kids to enjoy while still social distancing. I think this is brilliant. If you go trick-or-treating this year, please be safe and follow what COVID guidelines your community follows. And let me know what Halloween looks like in your area this year. Has it been cancelled? Are there small community parties? I'd love to hear about it. Episode 46, my guest needs no introduction. He's been a special guest several times now, to the point that I now consider him Paranormal Heart Family, and is now known here as Uncle Guru. Talking about the origins of Halloween, I introduce to you Ron Nightmare Murphy. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to Paranormal Heart. Um, what, what's that? Uh, second cut? <laughs> part two? That's right. That's going to say part two, but that's okay. You know why? We can look at the first one as just a trial run. That was like, right. you know, the, uh, uh, the that, that was a dress rehearsal. Yes, a dress rehearsal. I like that. Folks, for those of you listening, um, Ron and I had already done this Halloween episode. And uh, yesterday I went to put my thumb drive in my laptop. And for whatever reason, it was corrupt. And I lost some files. And all I had for the interview was a high squeaking sound. And uh, sent it to my tech guy, the most brilliant 
uh, Brian Anderson, and he said, no, it's fried. <laughs> so yeah, um, this is take two. So thank you. Ron has been extremely gracious to be able to do this again, so thank you. Hey, this is my favorite time of the year, and who else would I rather spend it with than you and your listeners? So, well, you know, you. this is my, my, my pleasure. And I'm happy that you're here again. And folks, uh, it was mentioned in the other the other recording that uh, is lost. But uh, Ron has officially been here the how many three four times. Uh, you've you're the one that's been here the most. The the I can't even think of the words that I want to say. Uh, you've appeared on the show the most. So we now refer to him as family, and he is now Uncle Cryptid. No, Uncle sorry. Guru. Uncle Guru. That's sorry. Right. Yes. That's Uncle right. Guru. Right. Yes. No, I'm already starting to use that moniker. So, yeah, awesome. we can't screw that up. Yeah. No, I'm very <laughs> flattered to have been on here the most times and uh, uh, to be an uncle and just save me a place at the table because you never know whenever I'm going to show up. That's true. There's always room <laughs> at the table. <laughs> so, that's the, right. the no, origins I'm, I'm of Halloween. To... Oh, go ahead. No, no, that's what I was just saying. The reason why I'm so glad to be on your show is because I think that you and I both look at this holiday the same. You know, it's a fun time. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of whenever I was a kid and all the stuff that we did really cool as a kid. Now, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, and you grew up in Canada, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. Well, some of the things that we did as a kid is we – I think Halloween is situated in the calendar right at the appropriate time because – you know, school has already been in session for a while. Uh, the initial excitement of being around our friends again has now kind of dwindled. Now we're getting into the routine of taking tests and doing homework. The nights are getting shorter. We can't play outside. So I think Halloween is the appropriate time to start letting some of that built up tension out, you know? Agreed. And I remember as a kid, I would ride my bike. It would be my brother and I and some of our friends. We would ride our bike to a cornfield and we would steal farmer's corn and bring it back and we <laughs> would shuck it into a bucket and then we would go corning on Halloween. Have you folks ever went corning up there in Canada? I never have, but I know it does happen, or at least it used to when I was younger. Oh, it was a great time. So you would go and you would knock at a door and sometimes they weren't home and they got corn and sometimes they would give you a lollipop and you really wanted a candy bar so they would get corn and sometimes they would give you a candy bar and they would still get corn you know that's just the nature of the holiday mm -hmm. but nobody has aluminum awnings anymore so corning is now you know something that people don't do ah we're starting yeah, to have aluminum awnings again uh, here in canada it seems to be uh um, it's more cost effective for the houses and everything right now. It lasts longer. And anyway, so yeah, so maybe we'll bring that back that tradition. <laughs> yeah, I would like to show my kids what it was like. So maybe if you know there's enough aluminum awnings up there, uh, I'll bring the kids up sometime to, to do corning. Now, of course, whenever I was a kid back in the uh, the, the late 70s, early 80s, uh, you know, that was a, a fun time, but now it's probably a misdemeanor. So we have to be very careful of that stuff. That's yes. vandalism now, exactly. Yeah. Yes, times have changed, but uh, but yeah, the reason I've been so fascinated with Halloween, of course, is because you know I'm I like the history. Uh, I'm a big fan of history. Whenever it comes to anything that I write about, 
And it's just one of those great times where so many different cultures come together uh, during the Halloween time. Um, you think of Halloween as something being very ancient, and in reality it's not. It's 2,000 years old, which is ancient, but in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that old, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it originated as a, a festival known as Samhain, and, you know, those crazy Celts with the way they pronounce things. <laughs> so Samhain is pronounced or spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, so it looks like Samhain, but it's actually Samhain. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it basically means something very along the lines of the end of summer. So it was a summer celebration, uh, or a harvest celebration, I should say. Um, and it was held from October 31st to <laughs> roughly November 1st, just a day or so. And uh, it also marked uh, the Celtic New Year. So uh, as much as everybody wants to see 2020 go by, uh, we might have to revert back to the Celtic calendar because, <laughs> you know, just in a couple of weeks, it's going, or just in a week, as a matter of fact, uh, it will be uh, 2021 for uh, the folks that we, we lived back then. But, yeah, I mean, this is a great time whenever you think about it. Um, it was a time whenever you would be gathering in the last of your crops. Um, the sun was setting a lot earlier. Um, this was also the traditional time where animals will be brought out of the pasture and slaughtered um, because um, there, w- there was still going to be enough food for the animals to browse on. But one of the reasons why they slaughtered at this time is because it was now cold enough to store meat. So you think of it, you know, as nature's refrigerator. So you would have a lot of blood from the, from the slaughtering. You would have a lot of people gathering together to eat because there was a, an abundant amount of food at this time as well, too. But in the back of your mind, there's also that fear because you know that as opulent as this celebration is and as everybody's getting their tummies full, uh, winter was literally around the corner within weeks away. Um, you know, we think of the climate nowadays as, you know, very, um, you know, with, with global warming and everything, it seems to be a little bit warmer. But back in the day, um, it was uh, frightfully cold. I mean, this was a time whenever you were gathered and you saw an elderly neighbor and the chances are that that neighbor making it through the winter uh, was not very good. And if you would think that, you know, somebody had a crying baby, this might not bode well either. So this was a time that was uh, a time between life and death, very literally. Um, Of course, the, the idea of the veil between this world and the next, that it's thinnest at this time is also relative, you know, relevant as well. But it just goes to show you what the Celtic mindset was um, with all this fun and ga- uh, gathering that was going on. And in the back of your mind, there was still this ominous fear of what awaited you in the night of, uh, of uh, the, the coming months. Very, very interesting. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid trick-or-treating, uh, because like you said, with the climate change and everything, um, when I was a kid, I used to, being in Canada, I used to have to put my uh, snowsuit over my uh, my costume, which always broke my heart because I couldn't show my my plastic mask with the elastic in the back, you know, um, and um, plastic uh, uh, costume. I had to put my snowsuit over it, you know. So I don't know if you had to do that as well, but now this day and age, you don't really need to do that. No, you know, I was just talking to somebody yesterday, as a matter of fact, and I remember asking for a sled for Christmas, and I'm not sure if anybody does that anymore. I know, of course, mm-hmm. Canada's uh, environment is is not quite as as um, 
drastic as it is down here, but I'm sure that you've seen climate change as well. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, but to put it in perspective, um, up into the Renaissance, um, the uh, uh, in England they still had winter festivals that they would set up tents and shops on the River Thames because it would freeze over. And that's uh, very rare nowadays. So if you think about how much the climate changed in just a couple of hundred years, go back about 2,000 years and Mm. see how brutal that must have been. It must have been because uh, although they had heavy clothing, uh, it's not like what we have nowadays. Oh, absolutely not. And just the idea of, 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 you know, catching a virus, you know, whenever mm-hmm. you think of a flu or something like that. I mean, it, well, let's let's put this in perspective, okay? Um, the average age that somebody lived to in the Celtic world was maybe 40 years old. You know, that that's about it. They, you know, that's a lot of hard work. Your body would have been battered by this time. Um, if you lived and well, I will put it this way. Um, up until the age of 10 about 50% of the children died. If you lived to the age of 10, there was a good chance that you would make it to the age of 40, okay? But there is constant death around you. Um, You would think if you were out in the field, uh, plowing the field with, you know, just, you know, stone type of uh, implements, um, you get cut. You know, the idea of nowadays, you know, you put a Band-Aid on it, but if you got a cut, you're talking about serious infections back Mm -hmm. in those days. It, it was just not a cool world to live in. It, it was a demon-haunted world. Everything around you was filled with both beneficial aspects and very malignant aspects as well. Um, and and I think that this is the culture and the kind of milieu in which Halloween arises. Yeah, back then you had to make sure that you kept a simple cut extremely clean uh, not like today, where you have uh, the antibacterial uh, creams like uh, polysporin or whatever um, right. to help keep things clean, or um, uh, even just rubbing alcohol to to keep uh, little cuts clean. They didn't have that back then. No, that's right. And and, and think about this as well too. See, that's another good point. Um, the idea of people inexplicably dying. Would have happened back then as well too. You know, the idea of of of, of uh, uh, sudden infant death syndrome would, would have been unknown. You know, mm-hmm. or like you had said, somebody got a small cut and an infection got in. People were dying, and it would seem as if something was coming out of the darkness to take them as well too. You know, that mm-hmm. that's that's some other points that we have to think about. Um, now, uh, a, a rather sobering aspect of this as well is that um, we know from the archaeological record that only about 5% of the Celtic population was buried. And that usually had something to do with their station in life. Um, The rest of the people would have been cremated. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just easier that way. So whenever you think about uh, bonfires, uh, that is a typical thing during this this time of the year, um, that also alludes back to the idea of people dying. So you would have bonfires that were created not only as an offering to the gods, but it was also a way, a, a kind of an effigy, to encourage the sun not to leave and to return with its warmth. Um, but it also is synonymous with the idea of uh, cremation and death. Um, and not only is you know this all associated with the veil between this world and next being in its thinnest, but if you think in late October with these bonfires going, 
uh, the last of the insects would start gathering around the bonfires. Mm -hmm. And uh, what eats insects but bats? And bats huh. live in caves. Yep, bats mm -hmm. live in caves. Caves are traditionally um, the, uh, the entryway into the underworld. And bats would have been seen as emissaries from the underworld coming in communion with you as you're around the bonfires, you know, celebrating this 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 harvest festival. Um, so everything starts making sense. You know, we start connecting the dots here and seeing that how, how you know, the things that we do now, like hanging up little paper bats around our house mm -hmm. or, you know, traditional bonfire, that these actually have their roots in a very ancient culture. Something I find very interesting as well is um, the reason why they say that witches would fly on broomsticks is um, because it was part of the ceremony. They try to jump as high as they possibly can to get their crops to, you know, they, they, they believe that the higher you jumped with your broom, the higher your crops would be uh, the following season. So, yeah, see, and that's, that's a very interesting thing. Um, now, whenever you start the witch hunts, you know, which started mm -hmm. as early as the Middle Ages uh, in, uh, in earnest, but whenever you look at the witch hunts, uh, the reason, one of the reasons too, why the broom was associated with the witch is because it's a predominantly female attribute, mm -hmm. and women were the ones that were, you know, most uh, likely to be executed as a witch. Although they did uh, execute men, but whenever you think of something just to say, it would almost be like the vacuum cleaner for the fifties housewife. You know, <laughs> yes. this was something that was traditionally a female attribute. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's really a shame what women had to go through. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, women have been maligned for, for a long, long time. So, uh, Just if you had knowledge with uh, herbs, um, you know, if a woman knew enough about healing herbs, uh, they would, uh, the town, and especially if they didn't like the woman, they would brand her a witch. And yeah, it was horrible back then. Oh, that's a great point. You know, the idea of women being uh, miracle workers, Mm -hmm. is is a common theme throughout cultures uh, until the modern era. Um, the idea of the midwife and the idea mm -hmm. of somebody that's going to be there to kind of divine the future. Uh, it's not until we get to the Middle Ages and Catholicism takes over. And it wasn't so much the idea of women working in the art of healing. What it was was that people were turning to women for answers and that really disrupts the patriarchal society, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things is that they did not want to upset the society. So women that could work art that men could not do, obviously could not come by, by this themselves because they were inferior. So they had to be in league with the devil. I mean, this was just mm -hmm. the common thinking at the time. And uh, the other thing is a lot of these women were, were older and widowed. And um, you could take their land off of them by accusing them of, of being witches. So there was an economic factor in there as well, too. I mean, when we talk about the great witch hunts, we talk about places like Germany, where mm. maybe as, as many as three million people were killed, men and women both, but predominantly women, mm -hmm. were uh, killed for uh, being witches. And one of the methods that they use to uh, test to see if you're a witch or not um, always boggled my mind because... Um, you throw her in the water in the river, and if she drowns, if she's uh, she's not a witch, but she drowns, and if she doesn't, yes. if she's able to get out of the water, then she's a witch and she's still damned. 
That's so, right. That's a damn if you do, damn if you don't. Exactly. Yeah, the, yeah, the good old witch dunking, you know. Uh, yes. I, I, that, that, it sounds like a horrible thing. But um, the <clears throat> idea was that, you know, if you die, uh, you've proven to yourself that you're not a witch and you'll mm-hmm. enter the heavenly gates. You see, yeah. the idea of the immortal soul is the key factor here. Um, that you just go to your reward in heaven. You know, you prove these earthly people uh, wrong, and your reward now is in heaven. Um, we don't think that way nowadays. You know, we're very concentrated on the world around us and, you know, on on our lives. Uh, but, but specifically in the Middle Ages, um, people were relatively ready to give up. I mean, we think about the Crusades. People were ready to die for the promise of the afterlife. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, we, we find a little strange today. But I know that whenever um, the first crusade was uh, was implemented, um, you know, there was, you know, young men running off and they were handing out these red crosses to show that you're going to be signing up. And, uh, you know, they ran out of red crosses, so they had to cut strips of paper in order to... Uh, uh, show that they had signed up, but yeah, people are very, very willing to die uh, if the promise and the goal is uh, eternal life in heaven. I just can't imagine thinking that way. I can't. I, I can't either. It, it makes zero sense to me at all um, because built in with all of us is this this preservation for for life, you know, our earthly life. But yeah, I mean, look, um, it it must have been a horrendous time back then. Because if you would start becoming um, interested and curious in the movements of the sun, uh, the way certain herbs heal you, if you were trying to benefit human humanity, you could be mistaken for a witch because you were mm-hmm. dealing in something that most people simply did not understand. No, nope, exactly. Um, yeah. Today's science, just with nature, um, they would think that uh, there's some devious force behind it like if the crops failed that year obviously it had to be a witch um, you know just things like storms or, or whatever it has to be a witch anything uh, negative that happened to the community well you had to pass blame and I, I do hmm. have one of these little anecdotal stories I think that you'll find interesting as well too yes. so witches were said to have familiars you know these mm-hmm. were these little uh, demonic uh, entities that would go to and from uh, this world and, and the uh, the world of hell, and one of the common of uh, uh, one of the common uh, characters was the cat, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the black cat. Then, if you can imagine a cat, you know, in your house, and you know, it closes its eyes and it's black, and the cat, the uh, the little hovel that you live in is lit by a single candle. It would indeed seem as if this cat is materializing and dematerializing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it became such a common knowledge that women who were witches were using cats as their familiar that um, the Pope declared that, um, you know, it might not be a good idea to keep cats around anymore. So there was a uh, a program that was established to just go around killing all the cats that you could find, um, and then they thought, well, you know, if if cats are familiar, possibly dogs as well. So there was this, this instituted thing, especially in England, where they would go around killing all the cats and all the dogs um, because they were appeared to be familiars of witches. Um, now the strange thing at this time, as this was going on. Um, the plague was going on as well, too. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why it became so virulent is because cats and dogs 
kill the rats the in rats, which the yeah. plane was carried on. So it, it came back to bite them, didn't it? it indeed, it did. <laughs> yeah, uh, literally, it came back to bite them. Literally, yes. Yes. Um, it, it was interesting how we mentioned that the other day um, when you said that in the wintertime or when it starts getting cold, back in the day when we had straw beds and mice would come into the house, even if you didn't own a cat, you would have a cat because they were after the mice. And uh, oh, here and here in Canada, we call the straw beds, at least in French, we call it a paillasse. Pie is a straw. So um, you would have mice in your home and then cats come in and like you said earlier, if it was a black cat and you have one little single candle, um, you would see the eyes, but then as soon as they blinked, they would disappear. They would disappear immediately. Yeah. Yeah, so you would think that if you didn't have a cat and all of a sudden felt something moving around on your bed, <laughs> and, you know, as cats are wont to do, they'll even lay on your chest, you know, mm -hmm. and you wake up and you just see these eyes glowing at you. Um, <laughs> you can start putting two and two together and think, hey, there might be a little demon in my house. Exactly. I know uh, we have three cats and a dog, and uh, I have one cat uh, when we lived in Alberta. I don't know why he only did it there, but I would wake up in the middle of the night, and he'd be right there, right at my face, staring at me. And the first few times, I'd open my eyes, and he'd be like, Dog, what are you doing? And it's almost like, oh, good, you're awake. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah. So that, I'm, sure, that, so I'm sure they did that back then, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I have a cat. Uh, we have a cat named Judy, and, and I love this cat. It, it's it's more like a dog. Um, it follows you around, and it will even allow you to pet its belly, which is extremely rare for a cat. Yeah. But um, yeah, she'll wake you up uh, first thing in the morning, even if her her cat food bowl is half full. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Have to have the fresh stuff. They, they do, they do. But yeah, like I said, you know, now we think about seeing these cardboard cutouts of cats that people hang up on their uh, on their doors as Halloween symbols, mm -hmm. and we see where it comes from. You know, we exactly. see, you know, nothing exists in a vacuum. We are all dependent upon the past, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's just a very interesting way of looking at the world, and Halloween uh, specifically. I mean, it, it's a great time for people to come together, and, but I'd really like to get to the bottom of why we do the things that we do. Exactly. Yes, uh, especially about the jack-o'-lanterns and, um, you know, where does that come from? It's just really interesting to find out the origins. Oh, it is. It is. Well, um, you know, we talked about this before. So mm -hmm. um, uh, the Celts uh, used to, because there was no pumpkins in the old world, they would carve out a turnip and they would <laughs> um, put a little little face on it and uh, put a little ember into the mouth um, that look like, you know, what we would call a jack-o'-lantern nowadays. But I don't know if you've ever tried to carve a turnip before. Have you ever done oh, that? Oh, yes. When we, well, I've never carved one, but I've I've cut one up for a, a Christmas dinner, you know, turkey dinners. Uh, they're not easy to cut. They're not easy to cut, but I will tell you, I've done this with my kids before. If you are able to get a little face carved into it, almost as if you were carving a jack-o'-lantern face, mm -hmm. uh, within a couple days, the natural aging process of the turnip makes it look like a very hideous scowl. So you have this <laughs> grotesque-looking face, and um, you put a little light into it, and it is very effective. It's very, very frightening, as a matter of fact. But um, it wasn't until the 1840s that uh, pumpkin carving uh, became a part of the United States. And again, this was not associated with Halloween. This was associated with a harvest festival. And um, they would carve pumpkins and, uh, you know, uh, put faces on them and everything. Um, but it's the 1840s, 
And the reason why they start the pumpkin carving at that point is because this is the time of the first wave of Irish immigrants from the potato famine coming over. So they were bringing their cultural aspects mm-hmm. over to the New World, and the pumpkin was great. But I, I, a story that also arose with uh, with the uh, the uh, Irish uh, coming to America was the story of uh, Jack and his lantern. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the story of Jack, who was a ne'er do well. He was uh, one of the you know these the, uh, kind of the town drunk guy, go around kicking your dog. You know, he's the kind of guy that would like run for a politician. You know, this is the kind of guy that nobody <laughs> wants anything to deal with. Um, and he was out in the woods one night, and he came across the devil. Now, I don't know what America must have been like in the colonial America up until before the Civil War, but apparently anytime you go out in the woods at night walking, you run into Lucifer himself. But, you know, that's near another, uh, neither here nor there. But um, So Jack <laughs> encounters the devil, and they get into a kind of a peeing contest, you know, who's better <laughs> And uh, mm-hmm. Jack says to the devil, I bet you I can climb higher in that tree over yonder than you can. And the devil said, you know, you're crazy, buddy. I can climb that to the very tip top of that tree. So uh, Jack challenges him to do it. And the devil goes ahead and climbs the very, very utmost of the tree. He can't go any further. And then Jack carves a cross onto the tree trunk. So the devil can't come down. And the devil starts, you know, pleading. Hey, Jack, look, you are a mean SOB. Um, but I promise you, I will not take you into hell. I promise. So Jack thinks that that's a good idea. He lets the devil down and goes about his way, you know, still, you know, stealing candy from babies and, and all this other stuff until eventually one day his life catches up to him and he does indeed pass away. Um, the story goes that he goes up to the pearly gates and St. Peter meets him. And uh, Peter says to him, there's not a chance you're getting into heaven. Uh, Jack, you know, you were just too horrible of a human being. So then uh, Jack makes his way down to the uh, the uh, infernal damnation of hell, and uh, he meets the devil down there. And the devil says, Jack, you know, you've you got to remember our bargain back in the woods. I promise you I would not accept you into hell. So Jack is now relegated to walking the earth for eternity. And uh, what he uses to light his way is a pumpkin carved into the face of a jack-o'-lantern with a light in it so he can see his way about so jack's lantern jack's lantern yes ma'am so yeah i mean these are great little stories too and it required um a celtic influence because we in america weren't doing anything fun with it uh but uh, yeah whenever the irish came over and gave you know a, a bit of a, a an old world spin and uh, you know we have what we have nowadays uh, the jack-o'-lantern love it where did the trick or treating oh, come come part uh, come? Well, I, I know, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. The trick or treating is 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 uh, well. Let, let, let's go back. We'll go back in time a little bit. Sure. So, yep. um, the idea of Halloween was um, you would allow your ancestors to come and visit you, and this was a welcome thing. Um, the ancestors were, um, you know, on the other side. They might be able to bring back. Um, you know, information about the way the crops are going to go next year. Uh, this was a time for divination. But you wanted to have your ancestors come back. And you would even put a candle in the window, open a window, open a door to allow them come come back to your house. Um, the problem with uh, with Samhain um, is that not only is the Valthinus between this world and the next to allow your deceased ancestors through, but it was also a time whenever fairies would come out to play. 
-hmm. And fairies were very malicious little creatures. Um, they were very rarely beneficial, and they were always something to be wary of. So people began to dress like somebody else, like another person, uh, because if you came upon a fairy, you didn't want not want them to know who you were and follow you back home. So you would start dressing up uh, at this time of the year simply as a disguise, so nobody knew who you were. Um, and this was something that was done um, just out of you know out of hand. This was this was going to keep the fairies away. And then um, the fairies were also. Uh, acquainted with uh, or uh, associated with the will of the wisp mm -hmm. this kind of um, light you know that would be seen dancing in forests and things I guess you would call them like orbs nowadays you know but you know mm -hmm. at the time it was believed it to be a fairy uh, roaming through the woods um, so that's whenever the uh, the carved turnips come into play uh, you would put them on your porch with a light in them and then the fairy would think that they were already there. You see that somebody, there was already a supernatural engagement there because they mm. could see the light burning on the on the porch. So that would keep them away as well, too. So people were dressing up from about 2,000 years ago. But it doesn't start becoming a popular thing um, until much later. It really doesn't have anything to do with trick-or-treating. Um, trick-or-treating starts in the Middle Ages. Um, and it means um, that you would go uh, from house to house because, remember... The, the Catholic Church wanted a lot of people to join them. And one of the reasons, one of the ways that this was easily done is by synthesizing different holidays. Um, the Celtic culture did not want to give up Halloween um, because it honored the ancestors. So the Catholic Church said, wait, you know what we'll do? We will make it all Hallow's Eve and we will honor the dead and we will honor our saints. And it was a mm -hmm. very, very um, a genius move in order to do this because it kept the same... Um, correlation with the dead but they just made it into a catholic holiday but um and, and it was the same that people would go from door to door and they would say you know we will say a prayer for someone in your family that is deceased in exchange for a um uh, uh you know some sort of treat and the treat was traditionally a soul cake which is this it, it, of course it evolved through time about the recipe but it was basically just an almost undigestible very hard like almost a hard tack type of thing and um sometimes it was sweetened with currants or, or, or what have you uh, but for the most part it was just a, a a little filling treat and if you would think of poor children going from house to house they could probably get filled uh with this uh particular treat so they would go assaulting they would go from door to door um, you know, we will pray for your grandmother, we'll pray for whomever, and then they would give out, they would t get a, uh, a soul cake as a treat. They would go about this. So that was the first advent of uh, trick-or-treating associated with Halloween. Love it. Like I said yeah, earlier, I it's, just, it's just so fascinating to find out origins of things. It's just amazing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Now, um, of course, the idea of people uh, dressing up still did happen. Uh, whenever we talk about the Western tradition, there were places in Europe where people were dressing up. Uh, sometimes they would dress up as a loved one that had passed away. Sometimes they would dress up like the grotesque little fairies that they believed were out there. So the idea of people dressing up um, was still um, associated in some parts of Europe. But the idea of putting costumes on and asking for treats is something that's a much more modern. 
And the costumes back then were really creepy because, as you said before, when we were having a discussion, they whatever they had on hand, it could be a burlap sack that they would put holes in it to make a, a hood or something. And if you look back at some of the costumes, they were really creepy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I would tell anybody to go online <laughs> and look up very old uh, Halloween costumes. It's mm -hmm. terrifying. I mean, it's the stuff of nightmares. People would be wearing like a flower bag over their head yeah. and, uh, you know, with one hole cut out of it. So, you know, whatever we think of like a nightmare on Elm Street or um, uh, what, what is that show? Um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, they really, yeah, they had nothing on the kids back in those <laughs> no. days because they were coming up with some some very scary things. But um. I, I think this will be interesting for your, your listeners, and, and I, it was interesting for me as well, too. Um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, this is whenever postcards and decorations were put on sale for Halloween. So to put things in perspective of how modern the Halloween season is, it, it, it is only about 120 years old. You know, the idea of decorations and the idea of... of um, gathering at this time of the year is really really modern um anoka minnesota uh was the first community uh to establish um halloween as a holiday um because they kids were still honoring the tradition of halloween of doing vandalism you know mm -hmm. and uh, the town of anoka was actually experiencing like arson and things like you know this town was running wild so the town got together and said, you know, we got to do something to uh, help these kids vent all this energy. So they established the first Halloween, and that wasn't until 1920. You know, that, wow. that's crazy. Now, 1930s is whenever costumes start appearing commercially in stores. Mm -hmm. So, you know, before that, you know, that, you know, the, the 10 or 15 years, that's whenever kids were making their own costumes. Um, now, we had talked about this before, and this is one of the things I want to bring up as well, too. Mm -hmm. We can remember whenever we went out as kids, um, you know, wearing the plastic masks with mm -hmm. the rubber band around the head. Um, at the end of the night, I still remember taking it off and I could actually pour sweat out of it. I, I still remember that vividly. Um, <laughs> but it was, you could either be a princess mm -hmm. or you could be a superhero. That is about it. Now, there was a change in society and culture. And I, and I studied this from a, a very sociological uh, uh, perspective that Halloween at one point uh, becomes a, a um, uh, kind of like a, a, a blood-filled, a blood-splattered holiday, and it doesn't become so um, innocuous and becomes much more um, violent. And would you like to tell your viewers whatever that happened? Uh, you lost me there. <laughs> okay, well, it happened in 1978, whenever the oh, movie Halloween came out. Right, right, right. Totally forgot about yep. that, yeah. Yep, so then you go from princesses and you go from superheroes or, you know, you go up from people dressing up like scarecrows and stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. those kind of homemade We ones. had werewolves up here, too. Yep, werewolves, that's right. Um, you know, or Frankenstein monsters, you know, anything yeah. that, you know, was, was out before. But now you become a human monster, mm -hmm. which is something that really has not been part of our psyche um, until Halloween comes out. Now you become the killer. Now you become that person that has is the monster. And, and that really kind of affected. Now, 
I remember growing up and seeing those cardboard cutouts of witches and maybe some people put out like a fake graveyard out in their, in their porch. But as I'm looking out my window now, I can see people with disembodied body parts hanging on their on their on their houses, you know, and it looks like a slaughterhouse more Same than anything. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And we have, uh, you know, uh, 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 Halloween to thank for that. Hmm. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was. Um... Monst like the more traditional monsters for costumes, you know, the werewolf, um, the mummy, uh, Dracula, princess. I don't know yep. where the princess falls into that. <laughs> Maybe it has something to do with the fairy tales and uh, and whatnot. But, I think that's it. I think yeah. that's it, yep. Yeah. And it's interesting to yeah. see how the costumes have evolved over the years. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. So, so Halloween starts becoming a very, very scary time now. Um, during uh, the Victorian period, um, it was a, an adult holiday. You know, this is whenever people would get together for Ouija boards and mm -hmm. seances and tarot cards. So it becomes a way for adults to get together, maybe have a few laughs. But there were people that, that genuinely believed in this as well, too. The theophysists at, at this time were trying to make connections with the other world. And um, this, the Victorian period was a really cool time if you were an adult and you were into Halloween because they really looked at the the element of communing with the dead um just like the celtic origins had done as well but of course now that has kind of faded away and very few people do that but you know at one time this was a period whenever you needed to know what was going to happen in the future so there was you know games such as cracking an egg and putting the uh, yolk in a, a, a bowl of water and whatever number that yoke would form, that is how many children you would have. Or, you know, hmm. peeling an apple, throwing the, 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 the rind over your shoulder. And whatever the letter that, that that peeling kind of formed, that that would be the first letter of the person that you would marry. And, you know, there's a lot of these kind of divinations, you know, uh, at this time as well, too. Uh, bobbing for apples derived from a Roman holiday, a holiday tradition at this time, whenever people were trying to divine through through apples as well. So it, it's very interesting to think that uh, these kind of things were going on as well, too. And I wish they would bring that back um, uh, instead of the slasher type of element, because mm -hmm. I'd much rather go to see a fortune teller at this time than see uh, you know somebody carrying a fake chainsaw around. Agreed, yeah. Um, I think every haunted house that you go to, no matter what province I've I've gone through, haunted houses always have um, a guy chasing you with chainsaw. Yep, it's about noise. It's not mm -hmm. about. Uh, there's really no um, uh, intelligence into it anymore. You know, there's no psychological impact besides that initial flight or fight response. Um, it's very animalistic at this point. Um, I prefer a thinking man's Halloween whenever you have to uh, kind of really read into it to see what's going on. But, um, you know, this is still my favorite time of year. Uh, I think it's my favorite time of the year just simply because of all the changes going on around in the natural world. I think that is one of the cases as well, too. Mm -hmm. um, and if you go outside on Halloween and just allow yourself to be present in the in the day, you know, breathe in the air, um, see the changes around you. You do feel that there is something very tangible happening. You know, there's definitely something going on. Mm -hmm. And I really, really like this time of the year just for that reason. This time of year, I absolutely love uh, going for walks in the woods. Uh, 
I'll go with my husband and we'll bring our dog and I really like the wooded areas that have the uh, needles so the the woods the when you're walking it's all squishy because of the the moss and all the pine needles and everything I just I love that this time of year and and I there's something about the smell in the woods um, for this time of year as well that I absolutely love and my husband brought to my attention he goes yeah that's the smell of decomposing leaves you realize that I'm like yeah I know but I still like the smell I don't know why but um, oh no I love the smell as yeah. well too and there's yeah. also a bit of um of promise too look um if we were an agricultural culture that we're so tied to the land you know which we are nowadays mm -hmm. but you have to think that there is a bit of reassurance in there that sure everything is going to die but we have the promise that there's going to be a cycle and everything's mm -hmm. going to come alive again you know yeah. that's really what it is so i like that analogy that you made you go out there it smells so good but you are actually smelling decomposition but there's a promise in that. That decomposition is going to be what is going to be fertilizing yep. the, the ground for next year's crop. Um, you know, the falling acorns is what's going to feed the squirrels and the deer for, for for next year. Just It's just a beautiful time of the year. It's a very poetic time of the year. You could almost put it this way, that uh, death fertilizes life. <laughs> oh, without, look, how about this? With, without death, you could not have life. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. and vice versa but yeah you know because i i am so enthralled by the world of the fairy and by the world of um of of, of history and how all this kind of stuff goes together the elements and everything i do indeed look at the natural world and see how that impacts uh human consciousness um so i i just i'll take a real quick moment here but um the names of the moon mean a lot of things as well too like the harvest moon mm -hmm. is the first full moon closest to the autumnal equinox. So if we think about that, the autumnal equinox is going to be in, in the end of September. So it's the first full moon in September because this is the harvest moon. This is where we're gathering up everything. Mm -hmm. Now, the full moon in October is called the hunter's moon. Yep. And this alludes to the fact that, you know, um, farming is going on hiatus. Uh, we're going to have to start going out there and actually hunting for food. Um, and it's also called the blood moon as well, too, because like I said, this was the time of slaughtering your animals as well, too. Mm -hmm. um, now, the November moon is called the morning moon, the uh, as, in, as in weeping. So that really says something about the culture mm -hmm. that named these moons, because in November, um, you know, this is really whenever winter kicks off. Um, and uh, the, the December moon is called the darkest depths moon because in reality this is whenever there is the least amount of light until mm -hmm. december 21st yep. and then we start getting you know a couple minutes but yeah halloween is marking the time whenever we're losing light and we're not going to see it again until the end of december and it seems like well ever since i started following the moon the moon cycle this time of year i find winter doesn't seem to be as long because come christmas time you know, around, like you said, around the 21st, um, you start gaining a little bit of light, a little bit more every day. And um, you know, even if, even though I'm a Canadian, I still don't enjoy winter. <laughs> um, right. So right. once I started following the moon phases, then it's like, okay, winter doesn't seem to be as long now. Right. No, that, that's absolutely the case. That's what I do as well, too. And I mm -hmm. think there's something hopeful about that. But yeah, so whatever we think about, 
you know, placing Christmas on the on the on the calendar. Um, the reason why the church did that is specifically for that reason. Um, that the, because Jesus is the light of the world, so by marking his birthday right around the time whenever light starts returning to the world, it's a great way to uh, again um, pull in the pagan roots uh, and 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 you kind of um, uh, you know give to the pagan society what they're looking for, and it's an easy way for them to convert to Christianity. Then, but yeah, absolutely. Whenever we think of uh, the idea of Jesus being born in December, you know that's that's really not the case, especially if we look at this contextually from a biblical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, so we have the idea of a uh, – because it snows in Jerusalem. It snows in the Holy Land. You know, you can go and find pictures of, you know, snow covering the the, uh, the the Wailing Wall. I mean, it gets pretty bad over there. So there's a couple hints in the Bible where it says that the uh, Romans asked for a census. And I don't think that the, the Romans, as full as they were, would require people to have a census in the middle of winter. And then the idea that uh, Jesus was born and there was uh, – there were shepherds in their uh, in the in the in the uh, with their flocks um, uh, at night, and mm-hmm. the reason why they had their sheep out at night is because they were grazing, and that only happens in the spring and summer. So, mm-hmm. the idea that Jesus was born in, in December makes no sense, <laughs> actually, from a biblical point of view. So, yeah, that was put on there simply because that's whenever the sun starts returning. That's interesting. Yeah. Let me ask you: What yeah. was your favorite uh, Halloween tradition as a kid? Um, well, anything with my mom, you know, I was very close to my mom. I, I liked, um, carving pumpkins, but I didn't like the mess. Um, yeah. you know, I was one of the kids that didn't like to be dirty. Um, I think, you know, my, my mom would go trick or treating with us probably until we were about 12. Um, so I really liked her just walking along with us and, uh, hearing the uh, leaves crunch under our feet mm-hmm. and, you know, ringing the doorbells and getting candy. That was really, really a good time. Great memories for me. Yeah. What was your favorite candy and your least favorite candy? Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> there was a couple of things. Um, you would go to some older ladies in the neighborhood, and for, for whatever reason, you know, and they, it's very well possible that they never celebrated Halloween because, you know, like I said, it didn't really catch on in the 1920s. So it's mm-hmm. very possible that some of these people never celebrated it. But um, they, they apparently didn't understand how the concept of Halloween would work. So you would knock at their door, and they would, like, give you a handful of change, like pennies and nickels. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. Oh. That happened to me a few times. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, uh, it happened a l- not very often, but yeah, now that you bring that up, I kind of remember having that happen not very often, but oh. Occasionally, yeah. Um, I didn't like the idea of apples because we weren't allowed to eat them because we were afraid that there was a razor blade in them, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Snickers it has always been my go-to candy, always been my go-to candy. Um, and as a kid, I hated um, I hated lollipops. I didn't like anything that was was not going to like really kind of sweeten my tooth a little bit. So mm. that was my thing. Now I will tell you, as a parent, my least favorite. Um, now, do you go out with your kids trick or treating? Well, they're seventeen and nineteen now, so no. But I used oh, yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I still have a seven-year-old, ah. and uh, so I still go trick or treating. But my least favorite thing. And people are doing this all the time, and they're giving out huggies for um, Halloween, these little drink containers. They, they hold about a half a pint of, uh, I, I guess it's some sort of 
concoction of sugar and water. I really have no idea. They're almost undrinkable. But um, they're called Huggies. Uh, they're very small, but they weigh about a pound for whatever reason. And oh. if you get like two or three of these, it weighs you down. <laughs> and the kids don't drink them. The kids hate them. Nobody wants to drink these things. And that is one of the, that is my my least favorite um, uh, uh, treat nowadays. I'm not familiar with those, huh? Um, I don't know what they would even be called up in Canada, but they're little plastic. They're little plastic drink containers, mm-hmm. and they come in like an orange. Uh, cherry and like some sort of blue thing, but yeah, they're they're completely disgusting. It's a good thing you don't have them. <laughs> it's funny, huggies. Huggies. I'm gonna have to look that up. See if we have uh, something similar, but just under a different name. But it doesn't sound that's familiar. Right. Uh, yeah, but anything that's uh, has liquid, I hate it because I remember one time one came open and one of the kids oh. saw bags. <laughs> yeah, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> Not the candy. <laughs> I know, not the candy. Because my kids really don't eat a lot of candy. Um, Halloween is for me. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a single dad. So mm-hmm. I, whenever I take my kids out trick-or-treating, I come back. As uh, soon as they're asleep at night, I'm hitting that bag. And I'm looking for <laughs> Snickers, and I'm looking for Butterfingers. Ah, yes. Yeah, and, my... and also M&M. I'm a weakness for M&Ms with peanuts in them. Oh, yeah. My favorite as a kid, and I still love today, is um, I love Tootsie Rolls, and I really do like candy corn. No. Yes. Okay, Kat. Now, this is what <laughs> Uncle Guru has to <laughs> If you gave me candy corn, and now that I'm thinking about it, if you gave me a Tootsie Roll, you were going to get corn if I was a kid. Wow. I love Tootsie when, when the kids are smaller and uh, they found out how much I liked Tootsie Rolls, they would pull their candy because... Uh, they knew that mom liked Tootsie Rolls, so they would give me the Tootsie Rolls. And I was like, no, no, this is yours. But I thought it was really nice. And, you know, my daughter would like a certain candy and my son would hate a certain candy. And they, they would switch, you know, so they'd, they'd dump all their candy on the floor. And they, okay, I like this. Do you want this? You know, I'll give you this for the, you know, a, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah, that's right. Kind of, kind of like a, a kid's version of uh, of capitalism going on, you know, the exchange <laughs> of things going on. But, you know, I don't think your kids were necessarily being nice to you. I don't know if kids naturally enjoy the taste of a Tootsie Roll. So they may have just been unloading <laughs> it on you. Maybe, but it's okay. <laughs> gimme, gimme. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll remember that, though, next time that I see you, or if I ever get a chance to meet you, and I'm hoping that our paths will cross someday. I hope but so. But I will remember that, and you like Tootsie Rolls. I'll remember yep. that, definitely. Still love them. Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, there was this other candy. I can't remember what they were called. There were this little, they were shaped like a brick, you know, like rectangle, but they're just this tiny, maybe half an inch long Oh, and they're individually wrapped mojos. I don't think mojo. they have those. Yes, I love I those. This. I don't know this. So what was in a mojo? It was just a chewy. There was nothing in it. It was just like white. I think now you can have something uh, similar to it. They're different flavors. But I remember as a kid, they were just white. I, I don't know what flavor it was, but I really like them. They're just tiny little things individually wrapped. Wow, yeah, we don't have that here, so huh. I'll have to think about that sometime. A mojo. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Yeah, I'll have to Google a picture and send it to you. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. It's funny. I hated getting apples, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we weren't allowed to eat them because there was a scare down yep. here that people here were putting um, razor blades in them. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately. 
Yeah. Uh, and it was always like the Macintosh apples here cuz that's the season that they really they really come out like they're they're good year round, but this time of year it's the um, a Macintosh apple. I don't know if you have those down in the states and uh, I like a nice crisp apple, but the Macintosh are a little more mushy, I find, and I just it was just never my type of apple. Great for baking, but yeah. uh, I just did yeah. Um, my yeah. parents, what? whenever whenever we'd uh, get home from trick-or-treating, of course, they had to go through. You know, I couldn't eat anything until they went through it to make sure there was no razor blades or pins or anything like that. And my kids, when they were smaller, too, I used to say, you can't eat anything until we get home. And then my son, being brilliant, he, uh, he'd say, well, can I have this candy? Can you look at it? Can I have it now? I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> so while he's... While we're walking, you know, he, he would get me to inspect some of the candy so we could have some right away. Then my daughter's like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, right, right, right. But these are great times, though, Kat. See, yep. this is the thing about this holiday. It really bonds families together. Mm -hmm. And if it's done properly, these are some of the best memories you could possibly have. Yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed everything about it. Um, you know, I'm looking back. I, 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 I was raised by a single mom. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have a lot of money, uh, but we still had fun. You know what I mean? This was a mm -hmm. time. It's not like the commercialism of Christmas. Well, it is becoming that now. Yeah. But it, 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 it was just a time for kids to be kids mm -hmm. and adults. If they want to be kids, they can be kids too. It was always fun, too, the next day going to school after Halloween because we'd always say, what did you get? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and sometimes you would even come across your friends as they were dressed up, mm -hmm. too, whenever you were yep. trading. And that was always fun, too. Um, but, you know, we were able to have Halloween parties at school. And uh, my kid's Halloween party is next Friday. And we got a note saying that you can dress up, you know, you, because of everything that's going on in the world. You and can or you cannot? Those, you cannot. You ah. cannot dress up. No. Yeah, so the, this will be the first Halloween when my kids don't dress up. And uh, most of the communities around me are canceling Halloween uh, because too. of COVID. Yeah. And this is one of those years that, you know, people have been wearing masks for the last nine months. Mm -hmm. And I was really hoping that they would be able to get into something of a mask that they chose and not was thrust upon them. Exactly. I remember for um, a few years now in um, the schools that my kids went to here in the Ottawa Valley, um, it started getting, you know how you go to school on Halloween, you could dress up. Well, it got to the point where they'd say, no dressing up, you can wear orange and black. And that's because you were scaring the younger children. And I thought, where's the fun in that? Um, you know, that's, you just raise your children uh, you know, I always loved how, yeah, there's always somebody who's going to be afraid, but you just explain to them, in my opinion, that this is just, you're acting, it's fun, it's not real, you, you're not going to get hurt. So, I, I don't know if it's a sign of the times where people uh, offend easier and uh, aren't as, well, I don't want to offend anyone by saying this, um, I just can't think of any other term, but uh, they seem to be softer now, they're not as, as, as rugged they're, they're, as they're they were. They're not as resilient. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so you, I, I, a couple things I want to want to talk about here is that I got the same letter that said that the kids are, are, are they should wear <clears throat> orange and black. That's yeah. going to be their costume. So that really struck me as well, too. And it's odd that you got that as well, too, yeah. because my kids 
Halloween will be consisting of just simply wearing a shirt uh, and clothes that are orange and black. But I taught in the school system for uh, a number of years. And when we would do um, any kind, I I always taught with younger kids, usually preschool. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever I got to the point in the uh, curriculum when we dealt with the idea of fairy tales, I tried to to make it come alive. So if we would do a story Mm -hmm. of Hansel and Gretel, we would go for a walk in the woods around where we were at. Or if we would do something on uh, Rapunzel, we would find a house around us that had like, you know, a high window. We would say Rapunzel lives there. Mm. So we would go around and we would really bring nursery rhymes to life. And uh, we always did this around the Halloween season because there were, um, you know, ancillary things going on as well too with the decorations and everything. So it really brought, brought a fantasy world to life. And I remember one of the parents had issues with it, and they actually confronted me, and they said, you know, how? why are you scaring the kids like this? And my response, yeah, absolutely. My response was very simple. I said, if they cannot conquer imaginary dragons Mm -hmm. at this age, what do you think that they're going to do whenever they're confronted with real dragons later? Love it. And, And she had nothing to say about that, and that's truly what we're doing. Look, all little kids are 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 able to slay the things that aren't real in their life. That's the first step. That you- okay, sorry about that, folks. Um, I will do some editing. For whatever reason, I lost audio, and I don't know why. Tis a season, right? It is. There are definitely rumblings in the, uh, the, the works uh, going on this particular Halloween season with you. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's not cool. I uh, may it's have to not- sage my house again. I think so. I think so. But yeah, like you said, tis the season. Um, and, uh, you know, that's because you did not dress up like somebody else. And they probably uh, did not, be. you know, you didn't have disguises. So they followed you home. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Blasted. Oh, well. I know. We're back. <laughs> yeah. We I are don't back know. with the, uh, the actually, like the third attempt at the, <laughs> the Cat Wolf Halloween show. Good grief. I know. Uh, three times a charm, right? That's what they say. <laughs> I forgot what you were talking about. No, well, we actually, I actually finished. There was a, uh, a period at the end of the sentence. I said that, uh, you know, kids need to be resilient. Hmm, they right. need to know what is fact and what is fantasy. Yes. And uh, Halloween really teaches that uh, in who we are. Now, nowadays, it, it seems that the whole world is just nothing but chainsaws and blood and guts and gore, and I wish it would return to its more simpler times. But, you know, I, I think that even a child being confronted with the viciousness of this Halloween is a hurdle that if they can overcome, is, is going to be much better for their psyche. I totally agree. Um, yes, there are other few, um, even as a child, cannot handle it. I totally understand that. But for someone's psyche later on as an adult yes definitely uh it's kind of like uh dreaming you have to dream yes yes you have to dream that's exactly right yeah um i i think that's i mean look halloween played a part in the ancient world uh for psychological reasons you know Mm -hmm. it was a time whenever you could come to grips with both living and the, the living and the dead and death and dying and all that other kind of stuff 
And as we progress, it's still the same nowadays. It just wears a different mask. Yep. And we have to come to terms. And one of the reasons why I'm so fascinated with history is because we can see how other cultures dealt with the same things that we're, de we're dealing with now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like the way they dealt with them. They, they, they looked at dead in the eyes. Uh, they accepted it. Uh, and they went on with their lives. Mm -hmm. It was part of their life. It was. Absolutely. Yep. Do you have any other interesting um, uh, tidbits about Halloween back in the day? Uh, back in the day, I'm trying to think uh, about, you know, well, I know that we, we can find uh, reports in the Scottish Highlands uh, from the 1740s that uh, we're, we're saying the children were making mischief. So we know that the idea of pranks and mischief making mm -hmm. is is quite old, and that stretches back, you know, into Europe and the into the British Isles, uh, very very early on. So even after we have the Protestant Reformation, and even after we have the idea of Catholicism losing its hold, that we still see even these uh, uh, Protestant cultures still holding on to aspects of Halloween that they like as well too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I mean, it's always been with us. Uh, no matter if you are a Catholic or a Protestant, a believer or a non-believer, it's always been with us. And and even if this holiday loses its favor and eventually evolves out of out of place of, as the way we know it, this time of the year is so important to us as human beings. Something else will come along to take its place. Mm -hmm. But I hope it's not within my lifetime, and I hope it's not within my kids' lifetime. Agreed. <laughs> Um, I think I was telling you um, uh, the other day as well that growing up, when you were talking about the witch hunts, my father's an amateur radio operator, a ham radio operator, and every Halloween, the uh, local ham club would get together and work with the uh, town police, and he would go on what was called witch hunt. Now, when I was a kid, I thought that was fascinating, and I went to go with my dad, yeah, because I wanted to see a witch, not knowing, because I'm just little, you know, just little. And he says, no, it's too dangerous. Yeah. Well, well, when I grew up, I found out that the witch hunts, they were looking for um, people who were vandalizing. So we would have uh, people sometimes burning bridges, you know, old uh, wooden bridges or or fields or old barns or whatever. And that's what they were looking out for. They were just looking for vandals and they labeled it witch hunt. Now they don't call it that anymore. Um, they're just, no. I can't remember, it's something patrol or pumpkin patrol or something like that. But I love that story because that really ties it all together, you know, mm -hmm. that there's people out there looking for the people that are roaming wild and running wild and everything. I love that story, mm -hmm. Kat. And I'm glad that you actually shared that on this show because we had mentioned on the last show mm -hmm. that was converted to nothing more than high squeaks. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> Let's hope this one won't uh, won't follow suit. No, I trust it, Shelmont. I trust it. You know, as soon as we're off here, you better listen to it and find out. <laughs> well, I did last time. As soon as we were done, I listened to it. It sounded great. And then uh, something happened. And, uh, oh, we had a power outage. And I still had the thumb drive in my laptop. And the laptop was plugged in. So um, uh, there was, wow. a, thunder there was wow. a thunderstorm on Friday. And uh, we actually lost power for a few hours. And uh, there was probably a surge. And uh, the little thumb, dri thumb drive couldn't handle it. So... Um, now oh, I'm going to, saying. yeah, I think now what I'm going to do is I'll email myself. Um, I'll, I'll have a folder. I'll email myself the, uh, the episodes from now on. So if something happens, I'm still going to have it. I will save it in different spots this time. Lesson learned.
Perfect, perfect. I think that's a great idea. Any final thoughts, Uncle Guru? Uncle Guru, no. You know what? I I just hope that you find candy corn and uh, <laughs> Tootsie Rolls in your basket. Thank you. Uh, I, I truly hope that that happens. Um, I know that I'm excited for next week because uh, not only is Halloween on a Saturday, but it's also going to be a full moon. Yes. Uh, it's going to be the second full moon of this month, so it's a mm-hmm. blue moon, yep. which is even even better. But, yeah, we're going to be in for some fun times, my friend. And, uh, and I am so flattered that you asked me to be on your Halloween show. I'm also very honored to be the guest that has appeared on here the most times and i really do feel like this is family whenever i come to your show so anytime you need me back i cannot wait to be uh chatting with you and your viewers again awesome yes i uh i'm starting to expand my paranormal family there's uncle guru i have uncle bowden (laughs) that's right that's right brian bowden yep that you also co-host inside the goblin universe with so yeah yeah i've been a person i haven't i've not done a podcast of my own for probably over a year now, and I really should get to it. But Kat, I give you all the credit in the world. These are are difficult uh, things, you know. Podcasts are not easy, uh, uh, you know, endeavors. It, it's a it's a difficult difficult enterprise. Yeah, there is a lot of work, but I really enjoy doing it. So uh, uh, I do my editing now. I used to have um, Mr. Brian Anderson do it for me. I don't do nearly as good a job as he does because he has, I keep telling him he has superhuman ears because he hears Uh things that I do not hear. And I have pretty good hearing. So um, I I don't know. he, He just tweaks things the right way. But anyways, well, thank you so much, Ron. I really appreciate this. Um, always a pleasure having you on. And like I said, you are family. Welcome back anytime. And you be safe for this Halloween and have lots of fun. And I hope you do not have Tootsie Rolls and candy corn. I, I hope as well, too. You know, <laughs> if, 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 if I, we do find them in my kid's basket or their, their bag, I will definitely leave it for them. But, yeah. Hey, thanks again. I'll mail Kat, it to me. <laughs> and and uh, I had a, a great time. Awesome. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, we'll talk to you soon, Kat. For sure. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 